in a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars. One oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE Podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, and this show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. And this is episode five. Joining me today is my big league co host, Patrick Pister. What's going on, Patrick? Hey, yo. Doing great. <laughs> yeah, it's um, for, for those of y'all that are not uh, in Houston, um, yesterday felt awesome outside because it was below 95 degrees. Those are nice days. They really are. Yeah, it's um, when you live here for a while during the summer, when the humidity gets below 50% and it's below 95, it just feels good, <laughs> which is which is insane. I put a, a picture on a, on Facebook where I parked under this tree, and it's like, only if you're in Houston do you get why I fought for this parking space, because it gets so hot here during the summer that if you park your sun in, in the sunlight, you can't get in it. Man, I don't care how many birds are in that tree. If I got some shade in the parking lot, that's where I'm parking. Yeah, and it's it's actually had a couple people reach out to me with that same comment and and also talk about tree sap. And it's like, no, you need to know your trees. <laughs> you don't park under any type of, of pine tree, and you don't park under any type of um, you know, like hawthorn or something that attracts birds. You, you find an old half-dead oak tree, you're fine. Well, cedar gets bad, but it doesn't matter what you park under when uh, when the cedar's bad in the air and that, that oak dust starts getting collecting as well. It, just don't worry about it. It's, Take take the cool uh, cool sh- I say cool as if it's uh, parking in the shade is gonna do a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's still hot, but at least you can still get in your car. So uh, speaking of cars, I like to t- one of the things that a lot of people don't associate with HSE is traveling, and there's actually a big component. And and one of the things that you may not know if you don't deal with any of the big service company or operators, it's such a big component traveling that companies like Halliburton or Chevron, if you're in your car, even on speakerphone and you join one of their conference calls, they'll cut you off. It's called distracted driving, even on speakerphone in your car. They do not want you talking while you're in. And, you know, think about that. That's really worrying to the nth degree about the safety of your people. Um, And if you're part of this industry, um, travel is just something you have to do. This is a global industry. You know, I've traveled every place there's oil. I've been there numerous times, and I continue to go there. Um, And, Patrick, I'm sure you've traveled all over the world as well. Some safe, some not so safe, but, yeah, pretty much all over the place. Yeah, and, and there's things about traveling um, as far as safety that you may not think of, such as one of the most important things you can do while you're in an airplane is stay hydrated. Um, the air is extremely dry because they pressurize it from the altitude, and there's no humidity up there. And when your nasal passages start drying out, you're much more susceptible to catch things like uh, colds or flu or whatever. So you know, staying hydrated is important when you're traveling, even in an airplane. Absolutely. I've known too many guys that just their tactic for a 16-hour flight to Angola is just get hammered and pass out, but you need to stay hydrated and drinking way too much before you get on the plane, even if it's to to go to sleep, you're gonna mess yourself up. If if it doesn't happen every time, you're you're gonna feel worse doing it. Stay hydrated when you're when you're in the planes. Yeah, it's um and 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 don't be that drunk annoying person on the plane because the longer you're on a flight, the more likely speaking from a safety point of view, somebody's gonna deck you. Um the other thing you may not think about is um, when you travel into different countries, there is different inoculations required. And typically in the oil and gas industry, your HSE department 
will know about this and make sure you're inoculated. But you can actually go on a federal website. We'll throw it in the show notes um, and look it up yourself. So in Africa, there's a lot of um, inoculations that you don't normally need if you just stay here in the U.S. or Europe. There's a lot of good inoculations. Some companies go overboard with what they want you to take. The malaria pills, I've the research I did on those, they seem to be worse off on your liver. If you're going to go offshore, if you're not around the, the mosquitoes that carry malaria, I would never take the malaria pills. I'd, I'd, I was more concerned about my internal organs than I was about getting malaria. Uh, those things just mess you up. But but yellow fever and everything else, yeah, for sure, you need to, one, some some of them are required, and two, the other ones are just good ideas. They're They're recommended to have. Yeah. And then finally, you know, we kind of touched this in the beginning, but, you know, if you're in a different country, a lot of times the laws around driving are different, or you may be operating a vehicle where the controls are on the opposite side. So from a safety point of view, it pays you to learn how to operate that vehicle or probably better off just get a cab. Get a cab. They're, they're a lot easier to get in, in other places, other parts of the world. And look like you know where you're going. Just have that air of I've been here before. Don't look like a like you're fresh off the boat and you're a good target to for pickpockets and thieves and everything else. Yeah, well, unfortunately for them, uh, they didn't realize I was a U.S. Marine, so I was able to take care of the situation without anybody getting hurt. You know, and speaking of uh, nobody getting hurt, it's time for our news article. Uh, uh, BP is the first um, company approved to use commercial drones in the Alaskan oil fields, and I just think this is a great topic. This actually came as a surprise to me that they are that there aren't more more companies out there that are allowed to use drones. And finally, doing some research, there are a lot of companies out there operating outside of the bounds of what the FFA is, has allowed them to do. Yeah, I ran into, we were talking about this off the mic, I ran into a company two OTCs ago that are from the UK, and they do a lot of drone inspections in the North Sea. And if you're not familiar with the North Sea, the conditions there are very um, unfriendly from an environment point of view. The, the wave heights are incredible. It's, the water is extremely cold. The air is cold. You have a very low survival time if you fall in, if you're not in the right type of uh, PPE. And so it just made sense to inspect all of these remote locations. You know, there's a bunch of parts of a rig, especially in the North Sea, that you just simply can't get your eyes on. And the old way of inspecting that is they'd lower people in Bozeman chairs or in scaffolding or whatever to inspect it. Now they can do it with a drone. And this company's been very successful because it just makes business sense, right? Don't Why would you risk somebody's life where you could take a remote vehicle and inspect the underside of, of whatever? And then it was surprising. They told me they weren't operating in the U.S. because U.S. did legally would not have let them operate. I'm thinking, wow, when has the North Sea been more ahead of like the Gulf of Mexico? And so you want to talk a little bit about some of these rules, Patrick? Yeah, um, I didn't know much about them before. It just just coincidence. I was talking with a friend that works at Hague Engineering, Lauren, and she passed me on to one of her operations directors who has been trying to get permits for, for inspection. There, until June 30th, there were a lot of restrictive um, requirements for these drone inspections. Now, they have loosened some of these things up, but it will take effect at the end of August. But you couldn't fly one of these drones within 500 feet of another person, structure, vehicle that you didn't own. So when you see these drones doing roof inspections, they would have had to get permission from everybody around around that facility. Before you needed a pilot to fly it. Now they've, they've changed the, the, the license that you can get. But it's very restrictive on actually what you can do for a commercial purpose. Not, now I'm not talking about the hobbyist that's out there flying the drone, taking pictures of the fireworks show, which there were plenty of those out. I'm talking about commercial use drones from the small quadcopters that are I think Mark was talking about with the inspections to what you would consider one of these predator drones, you know, three, four foot long, that can, that can quickly go up and down these pipelines. 
Yeah, and that's what, um, you know, the same ones that Amazon keeps talking about. They have drone delivery, which I can't wait because I love Amazon Prime. It'll just make it even better. Um, this news article is really cool. So for the past couple of years, BP has been testing drones as a way to monitor their oil fields and pipelines in, in Prudhoe Bay, which is in Alaska. Once again, not a very environmentally, um, uh, I don't want to say environmentally, not a, uh, it's cold. It's cold and wet and dangerous is probably the best way to put it. And so in that part of Alaska, there's very few people live there. There's almost no air traffic. There's really no safety hazards from flying a drone. They're, they're doing this on the North Slope so that they can look for things like leaks for changes in vegetation uh, to make sure that um, all their safety equipment's in place that all the you know uh, lockdowns are locked and it's uh, just such a cool thing to be for bp to use drones for this and then what i thought was really neat is they're not just using this for remote eyes on on infrastructure but they're taking photographs and sensor information and they're moving that into 3d models of roads pads pipelines along with all that data and measurements of volumes and the topographical analysis of, of the, the, the infrastructure. And so these drones are actually helping to build this huge database, which you know where that's go, which eventually means that these drones will be um, autonomous, they'll be automated, and they'll be able to go out and do this stuff themselves because somebody's built the baseline of data. Now think about that. Think about a fleet of drones in Alaska where it's very hard to get uh, people to do work outside because of the weather conditions, continuously looking to make sure that BP's operating safe. And if there is an incident, they spot it first before any human would ever spot it. I, I mean, how cool is that? It's a great use of technology. And it's a logical next step because they're, they're already using drones for internal inspections. The, the, you know, these swimming drones that can do hull inspections, that can do internal tank inspections that, that are operated remotely. They just... They haven't really flown before, and now the technology is there that these these quadcopters and these more airplane style can be developed commercially for these inspections. Um, it's a great next step in the technology. Yeah, and, and think about how it's going to affect the safety metrics of companies. You no longer have people in these in these um, uh, bad weather conditions trying to get work done. The drone doesn't care what the temperature is, right? The drone doesn't care. Um, if the winds, I guess the drone probably does care if the wind's blowing 100 miles an hour. But you know, the the whole idea is you have less people exposed, which is um, is good. Uh, in, decrease your lost time incident metrics, and honestly, just keep more people safe. But those bad weather environments—that's usually when something goes wrong. When you have an in- issue, you need to get out there. That these drones are perfect for. That they can just they can stay out in these these harsh environments. And once they spot something, then you can send somebody out there to do the repairs. Yeah, and uh, I happen to know for a fact that Slumberjay a few years ago bought a. Uh, a anonymous autonomous swimming drones of fish it looks like um, and they're using the gulf of mexico and they basically are self-powered between the combination of wave powering and solar they can stay out for months at a time and they they can uh, talk back to, to shore and they're actually um, set in a search pattern to stay on top of capped wells in the gulf of mexico think about that a bunch of robotic fish making sure those capped wells are safe and if they spot something they'll notify you know home base you know within a few seconds which normally would take days or weeks for somebody to spot a leak on the surface and, and call something in well this is all well and good until skynet becomes self-aware <laughs> yeah you know i actually i you know you joke about that I don't know if you've read this recently, but Google has gotten so worried about something like that actually happening. And in case you don't know what Skynet is, it's um, it's what started the whole Terminator series of movies. Um, but um, uh, Google's gotten so worried, they've actually built in kill switches, and it's mandatory. Every um, AI or artificial intelligence project that somebody works on in Google has to have this um, common kill switch built into it. Yeah, they're actually, you know, this this upper echelon of, of scientists, I know Stephen Hawking's in, the, in that camp that 
that is a that is a fear that that these AIs become smarter, faster, better than us and and take over. And it sounds like science science fiction, but it, it's a legitimate concern that these engineering companies are having that, with this technology. Yeah, and it's um, I'm a bit of a techie at heart. The, and, and boy, we're getting way off subject for an HSE podcast. <laughs> but one of the things that is a concern to me about that is that if you think of the speed of computing power, if one of these AIs becomes self-aware and then decide to do something that's not for the good of humanity, it's going to happen in microseconds. It's, it's not going to be like weeks and months um, that we have a warning. So, um, you know, there's some very smart people out there making sure we're safe from that. Um, you know, hopefully nothing bad ever happens. Um, I really do not want to have to worry about a fleet of drones chasing me around. The, you know, and hope you know. Like I said, I don't think we'll get there. This may have to be one of our lost episodes. I think we're gonna have to bury this one. We've gotten so off topic. But to bring it back into an HSC, you know, actual today, what what's going on? Um, part of the conversation I had with the with the folks over at Hague, they were talking about the insurance implications of this. That these drones that they want to use for inspections and uh, uh, incident investigations, they're not covered under your normal business insurance. You have to get special aircraft insurance for these drones if if you want to use them for commercial purposes. Interesting. So because we're such in the infancy of this, nobody quite knows how this is going to really work out. No, and they're, they're, they said they were drafting up language. The insurance company had some requirements, one of which was they need their pilots, now they don't have to, after August 30th, they don't have to be a pilot. They can get what's called their uh, basic aeronautical test, which is a drone license. But they want those pilots to have 50 hours of flight time before they'll get insurance. So drone pilots is going to be a you know an oil and gas career up mid and downstream. Wow. I, that, I think that's really cool. But, you know, once again, here's another component in the, in the very near future of HS&E that makes total logical sense, but I bet nobody's really thinking about it right now. Now, like you said, it's it's in its infancy. People aren't really sure. Companies aren't exactly sure how to treat these things. The government's not either. They're they're amending their their rules and regulations, but yeah, it's it's new. It's it's different. Nobody's really sure what to do. So insurance companies are well, it's an aircraft, so you're going to have to get aircraft insurance, even though it's a small, mid-sized little thing that's not piloted by anybody other than somebody with a remote control. Yeah, and it's um. You know, going back to the safety thing again, you know, imagine, you know, one of those ultra deep water rigs that are just miles and miles out there. And, you know, I've seen guys dangling from wires doing inspections out there. Imagine just a fleet of drones being able to go outside, hit all those those rigs that are that, you know, are way offshore, do the inspection, report everything back. Um, you know, it's 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 gonna be a game changer, not only because it's going to reduce costs and reduce lost time incidents. But think how much safer everything is going to be when you can inspect stuff remotely with a whole fleet of, of remote vehicles. It's going to change things for sure. Yeah, I mean, it don't, just don't think of visual inspection. Think about drones that have thermal cameras, right, or gas sniffers, right, where they can look for hot spots in, in, a, in a pipeline or they can tell if there's, um, you know, sulfur dioxide leaking somewhere. Um, I, you know, this is going to be a major game changer. But like you said, we have to figure out the business and the legalese around this so this thing could take off. Well, and, and all the, you mentioned hotspots, all the wildfires we've been having in the last you know few years, that if these things are out there in remote locations just trucking along these pipelines, they're going to they're gonna be able to spot these hotspots and, and potentially stop, prevent, or slow down the movement of these wildfires. Wow, I didn't even think about that. You're right. If you have drones out there monitoring hotspots, something that would have to grow by the magnitude of 10 or 100 for humans to see it, somebody, a drone could find it and put it out before it becomes any big deal. It's a brave new world. 
It's a good world. We need to hurry up and get there. (laughs) Um, This is a perfect time, speaking of drones and safety, to talk about Red Wing. Uh, Red Wing is uh, one of the leaders in PPE, and it's actually the... uh, the quality leader in, in PPE. I, I happen, Patrick and I have a great relationship with Red Wing. Uh, we know their people. Uh, we know their culture. Nothing leaves Red Wing shop unless it meets their, their quality requirements. So if you have a need for PPE, either you or your guys out in the field or your drone, because by the time we get there, I guarantee you Red Wing will be making drone PPE, <laughs> um, you know, check them out. They're a one-stop shop. Um, everybody knows them for their boots, but they're also a fantastic provider of PPE, making sure that your people go home safe every day like we say in the beginning of the show. And they're such a cool company that they're giving away stuff to our listeners. And what are they giving away, Patrick? The Red Wing, I'm still calling it an offshore bag. I need a better name for it. The Red Wing rig bag, the Red Wing location bag. It's a a great Red Wing bag. You want to win it. Yeah, yeah. it's not just for offshore. Anybody who works in this industry will love to have this bag. Um, It fits anywhere. It carries all your stuff. And whether your stuff is a bunch of wrenches and uh, feeler gauges or your stuff's a laptop and you know a a suit and tie, um, it'll all fit in the bag. You can get one, and these things are in high demand. You can get one only one way. You have to register to win, and we draw one lucky winner a week. Go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. You throw your name and your email in there, and then once a week we'll pull a winner. Um, if you've been listening to these shows back to back, you know what I'm about to say, but uh, Patrick and I recorded five shows to come out of the gate running for the HSE podcast, so we've yet to actually pull a name. On our sixth show, we'll pull a name. But that means you can be ahead of everybody else by going register now. So um, uh, no purchase necessary. See official rules for uh, details. And once again, that's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. So perfect segue. Patrick, what's today's Red Wing uh, tip of the week? So we're talking about drones, and my tip of the week is going to be look up and live. And that's that phrase has been throughout the oil and gas industry for years now. As soon as you step outside, you look up to make sure there's not a crane load above you. But this applies to walking across the street. Look left, look right, look back. Just look before you leap, look before you step, look before you put your hand somewhere. Just look and think. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a good thing you brought that looking up. If there's any hunters out there, you know that normally a deer doesn't have the habit to look up. And so that's why you hunt from a tree stand. What a lot of people don't know about humans is we also don't have that as a habit. So if you consciously make yourself look up, it then becomes a habit. And like Patrick said, it may save your bacon one day. Every time I walk outside when I'm on a, on a rig or on a site, it's to look up. As, it's usually as I'm putting my earplugs, it's, it's, it's multitasking. Probably should have put them on before I went outside, but I, I'm in that habit. I, I look up. Whenever you go outside, you look up, make sure there's not an overhead load. And it doesn't have to be a crane. It could be just some guy lowering a bucket over the handrail with a middle line. If that thing comes down on you, it's going to do some damage. Yeah, yeah this is an awesome safety tip. Hey, Patrick. Why don't you talk about the LinkedIn group? The LinkedIn group, I was actually on it today and checking it out, and it's a great group for good industry content. You're not going to get all the all the spam that's now pr- just trickling into LinkedIn. You're going to get industry not news. Not trickling in. It's uh, ruining LinkedIn. Let's, let's hope Microsoft, since they just acquired LinkedIn, can fix that. And everybody that's commenting on how they shouldn't put these links up there are f- going into my feed. So just stop commenting. Just ignore them. Hopefully they'll go away. But <laughs> the, uh, the LinkedIn group that we have is... It's great content. I was on there. I would just scroll down through, and it's article after article of people that want to share information with the group, people answering questions, asking questions, just trying to get more information in the industry, which is exactly what this podcast is trying to do. Yeah, and it's um, every post in that LinkedIn group is moderated by a real person. 
every person that joins is moderated by a real person. So we don't have the spam. And then what we also did is we gave all of our members the ability to report spam. So this is a non-spam group on LinkedIn. It's also very useful. It's also the home to for this podcast and for all the other podcasts, both the older, like Oil & Gas This Week, and the newer ones that are coming out. So if you listen to this show, do me a favor, go join LinkedIn group. It's called Global Oil & Gas Network. Just search for uh, uh G-O-G-N, and it'll come right up. Take a couple minutes to join, and you'll be a part of the family. Now, let's talk a bit about something else that's really important, which is reviews. So, Patrick, you want to let people know why it's important we have reviews? We need reviews so we can grow. One of the reasons we're dropping five episodes at once is to help our search engine ranking. We need your reviews to make us bigger, to grow, so we can share our information. Yeah, and folks, it takes all of two minutes. Do me and Patrick a personal favor. Leave us a review, and what happens is, the more reviews we get, the higher we rank so that when people search for uh, HSE or HSE oil and gas, they can find us and we can help them. Um, then this show is going to be posted in the Global Oil and Gas Network website. And it's actually going to be posted in iTunes and uh, Google Play and, and, and everywhere else. But if you have a comment about the show, if you like it, if you don't like it, if you have suggestions, if you think maybe you or your company would make a good interview for the show, let us know. You can either do it in a LinkedIn group or you can do it on the show notes for the show in the blog post. Either way, it'll come to Patrick and I, and um, you know we, we can connect there. And then finally, if you like the show, if you're listening to the show, do me a favor. Besides leaving us a review, will you share it? Anybody that you know that have an interest in HSE, will you just let them know that we exist? We're new, and we're trying to get as much traction as possible. So if you, if you can just email your colleagues or your friends or your coworkers or whatever, we'd really appreciate it. Um, that's about it for this one. Patrick, you ready to get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Y'all be safe out there. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston to London to Dubai and beyond.